All right, everybody, it is good to be back together on Theology Unplugged. Michael, Sam, we've got Carrie in-house, and uh, looking very beautiful, Michael, you are. Thank you so much. I just want to let you know your face looks radiant. I was wondering if you're going to notice that. (laughs) And Sam, you look very distinguished. And are you sporting some Sonic again? I am. I okay. Am. You yeah. uh, do you hold stock in Sonic Corporation? I probably should. I probably should. <laughs> Sam is uh, well caffeinated, and I am drinking a Bootser in the Credo House. It's Bootser, named after Martin Bootser. Bootser. <laughs> Bootser. We always so we have a joke in the Credo <laughs> House that whenever you say Bootser, you always have to correct someone's pronunciation, even if they pronounce it perfectly. And you have to correct them by saying exactly <laughs> what they said. Well, it just three, keeps because the way, so the way it's spelled, B U C E R. B U C E R. Yes. And so there's actually so it's some. It's not Bucker, huh? It's not <laughs> Bucker or Booser or something. It, he's probably mispronounced more often. Per usage, so not overall, but per time that he's pronounced, I'd say he's mispronounced more than Carl Barth is. <laughs> but the problem is, he's only. I think I've cataloged catalog how many times Martin Martin Bootser has been referenced, and it's been like eighteen. Yeah, and we've just done ninety percent of them yeah. in this podcast, yeah. and it doesn't matter so how, how he's an Barth's unsung name, hero. I never yes. reference him. So. And our podcast has nothing to do with this no. today. Uh, instead, we are talking about. D- Demons, something that uh, Martin Bootser and Carl Barth uh, interacted with, uh, but that we will interact with today as well. Demons, uh, then angels uh, by proxy as being part of that conversation as well. Um, so a lot of this different ways. This is the ways, new series we're starting. A new series on demons. So uh, Michael chose this series, of course, because of uh, familiarity. Yeah, Would you say? I mean, I've just been real close to one recently, and yeah. this know. is an interest of yours. Like you know, the many years that you and I were shoulder to shoulder at the Credo House. Uh, if someone ever saw, like, hey, I think I saw a demon or any of that, uh, probably a lot of people and pastors would kind of walk away. And I've heard you many times. Your first statement is, "What did they look like?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know, describe them, and were they short, and, and you know, what did they look like? What color were they, and all that stuff, you know. And so, uh, so this is something unashamedly we. Should should jump into. Um, but I want to throw out there, first of all, how do we know that these things even exist? Well, I, I, first of all, from the scripture, yeah. um, that's, the, that's where I would turn. Uh, isn't that the nice... Yeah, Christian thing to say I from, from that's the, the Bible. Thing to well, say. Where else would we turn? Yeah, yeah. I guess we could turn to personal accounts. That would probably be the only other place, really. Well, culture. I mean, culture. there's a lot of things in culture, and maybe if the Scripture didn't mention anything about demons, there would always be some type of evil force that might be out there that people would reckon with and uh, uh, be able to uh, talk about encounters with uh, encounters with demons, but. I th- if you were talking about how do we know about demons, yeah, um, the culture might say from movies such as The Exorcist, you know that mm-hmm. that's the main place where they would see demons being manifest, and just the more and more and more you see this in our horror horror movies, especially these kind of. What, what do they call those paranormal movie, paranormal activity? But is that ghost or demons? Ooh. There we go. I think in Something there that is. Uh, I think in there they're supposed to be demons. It is demons. Okay. So, so here's my question: yeah. Why here we're four Christians sitting around the table with our Bibles open? 
why would we even question the reality of demons? Yeah. Well, there's something in our culture and even in the church that causes people to go, well, you know, I'm not so sure that they actually exist. I'm saying, what, what, to what does that skepticism do? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Is it that people are afraid they're going to be uh, laughed at? Is it, you know, a, a reversion back to medieval times? Um, is it uh, hyper-supernatural? Uh, why do we have this aversion even to thinking about the demonic? You don't hear Christians at, you know, dinner party talking about the demonic very much. They're afraid they'll be laughed at. Why is that? I, there are a couple things that come to my mind. I think one of them is just, I think, our culture in America. You know, I think in Africa or other parts of the world, I don't know if it would be a cringeworthy topic as much as it is in America. I think in America and probably a lot of just the Western world, uh, Europe and stuff, is that we're just an anti-supernatural uh, place. And so I think whenever supernatural things come up, that's that's an option. I think also that throughout history, like you mentioned medieval, I think that demons were attached to so many things too. Like, hey, I have a cold. No, you have a demon, you know, and stuff like that. And I think like modern medicine in many ways, you know, it's like uh, I've heard jokes of like a lot of antipsychotic medication, demons hate them because as soon as they go into a person, the demon flees. And the joke kind of is, is that they didn't have a demon. Instead, they just had something wrong with them. Yeah. And so, uh, so for me, I think those two things is like uh, medical uh, advancements have maybe seemed to dispel some things where people would say those are demons, but where we would then say, well, don't throw the baby out with the Mm -hmm. bathwater on all of that. But then our anti-supernatural society. Just a materialistic. Then you have the fact that, for example, I mean, today, I, you know, looking at the Drudge Report, I think there were two two different stories on there about exorcism, so-called, yeah. that had actually led to the death of certain individuals involved. And um, I think so the, the extreme, more um, fanatical deliverance ministries have caused people to be prejudiced toward the very thought that demons could be real. real. So we believe that they're real. Sam, where did they come from? Where, if you sit down with a demon and say, "Tell me your life story," where would their life story start? Yeah, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. First, off, first, I don't think Sam or any Christian should say so. So, dude, I had a latte with a demon at the Credo house. <laughs> well, well, well first, first, I've seen some polls among Christians. <laughs> And uh, from what I see, these are fairly committed Christians. Yeah. I'm not saying they're purely evangelical Christians, but a lot of them, upward sometimes in the 50%, do not believe in demons or do not believe that demons represent what we at least used to think they represent. Okay. They are something different than what the Bible describes them as. And it's stunning because I push back on people like that. And I say, now, you do believe in a supernatural, sovereign, omnipotent creator God, right? They say, well, of course. And you do believe that this God created humans, you and me, right? Well, yeah. Well, why is it such a stretch of the imagination that God would likewise create angelic beings, another order of being, to carry out his purpose and his will? And if you acknowledge that, why is it so hard for you to imagine that some of them might have rebelled against him in much Mm -hmm. the way that Adam and Eve did? Mm -hmm. And so when you push back on people, it's, well, yeah, if if you're a theist, the the reality of the demonic makes perfectly good sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, and I I go to John chapter 1. 
uh, verse 3, all things were made through him, Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. And to think, like, if it exists, it was made by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, if demons exist, demons were made by Jesus. The most explicit passage is Colossians 1. Uh, it says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, mm-hmm. whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And this language Paul uses, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, is standard Pauline terminology mm-hmm. for the demonic hosts. In the realm. Yeah, yeah, he uses it in Ephesians 1 that way, uses it in Romans 8 in precisely the same way. So very clearly, the second person of the Godhead is the cause, the source, the creative power behind the existence of the demonic. And so we know that we know that uh, the demons were angels, right? right. The scripture is clear on that. Demons were angels. They rebelled against God, and the angels became demons. Not well, do all we really know that did, though? Well, I might push back on that a little that, bit. Or do you think God created them fallen from the start? No, not necessarily. But I'm not saying that they. Uh, I, I'm, that I, I want you guys to convince me angels? that they are fallen angels. Maybe I want you to convince me. That they're maybe not. That, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe there's some other type of creation that fell. All right. Staring yeah. contest begins now because that would be the only way to resolve that. <laughs> yeah. All right, because Sam, well, where, where, where would you take me if I'm starting to doubt whether or not demons are fallen angels and Satan as well? Mm-hmm. Satan being the well, Satan is called. Satan is himself called an angel of light. Yeah. Um, and I do think there are texts that refer to the demonic as being a form of angelic being. And we know that God cannot create anything that is evil. Um, we know that he created all spiritual beings. So there has to be, and granted, I, I openly concede, there's no passage that explicitly describes um, the rebellion of the angelic hosts. Um, I, don't, I don't think that the Isaiah and Ezekiel passages are talking about Satan personally. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of infer God created all things, all things were good. Now we have part of his creation that's bad. There had to have been at some point a rebellion, a fall, a, a lapse. Um, now we don't know when it happened. Most people believe that it happened prior Before to Genesis, yeah. uh, Genesis one, or prior to the creation of man. But even that's an inference that we're drawing from Scripture. We're really operating here in a certain degree of silence. How about how about Luke ten uh, seventeen? So Jesus sent out the 72, and he says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons, so the demons are brought into this, this situation right here, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, you know, which which I think is a is a place where you could infer that because we're talking about demons here. Uh, then he's saying, "Hey, I myself, Jesus, witness s- I witness Satan fall from heaven like like he was lightning." But isn't that an inference that you would make based upon other inferences that we're not quite so sure about? I think that you're just being skeptical. Well, I, I am, and I, I want to be skeptical. Because what's your evidence first. on the other side? Like, where's well, what, your what, verses uh, that show that be, he didn't? What would be the? I mean. 
in the context of that passage, what would what what other way could you interpret that? Well, I'm not sure how would I how would I interpret it except for that Satan had access to heaven and he fell like which we see that from, from Job that Satan even now can go back into or at the time of Job it seems like Satan was able to go and have a conversation. with What's God. the function? Maybe maybe we start with function rather than ontology or the being or essence what they are. Before we do that. Uh, you asked the question, how do we know demons are angels? And I have a text that explicitly says so. Okay. Revelation twelve seven. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, it's obviously a reference to Satan, mm-hmm. and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. So there explicitly um, demons are referred to as angels. Well, maybe what, they are his angels in the sense of his messengers, his followers. Well, he, well here, but here's the another. thing is, it, it's right there, it, it's parallel. Michael and his angels, and the dragon and his angels. So it would seem as if. Like Michael yeah. and his army versus yeah. Satan and his army. Yeah, it like seems, he's leading it. It seems to suggest that they're, they're all angelic beings, some holy, some wicked. Now, we all have different views of creation, too, of when exactly uh, humans were made, was that, uh, you know, what literal days or figurative or whatever. But I think, I think Job 38 uh, could even potentially show that all of the angels were together, not fallen at the time, at of, the time creation. Of, of creation, potentially. Because verse 4, God says, where, where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding. Uh, then verse 7, he says, When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And uh, seeming that the angels are all worshiping as they're watching God create. But that could have been the unfallen or the non-fallen Yeah, it, it could have been, but it says like w- when all the morning stars, when they sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Yeah, so it could have been that there were demons at that time, but this verse at least opens the door that potentially uh, the fall happened after this. But we know that the fall happened before Adam and Eve because Satan is tempting Eve at that time. So we know that there's a mark somewhere there. So all of this is essentially, we're doing all of this and going through all of this to yes. to understand. So just assuming that demons are fallen angels. Yes. Uh, because we eventually Which I don't to think get we're to, assuming. Well, I, th- no, 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 I think no, no, that no. the Bible I mean, is, is clear on that, leading us that that's way. That's what I mean. But well, that's yeah. our assumption, and we're looking to Scripture to confirm that, not in the bad sense, but looking yes. to see if our assumptions are correct and line up with Scripture. Yeah, that's right. And then that is to first establish what they are. Yeah. And when they fell, that could be a matter of conjecture or debate. Would right? you guys agree but with me could, about Could we agree that they are fallen angels? Would you guys that's agree with me about at? this? The, the Bible doesn't say as much as we would like it to say about angels, angels, uh, demons, because they're, they're so intriguing for us. We've got this, this uh, being, this species, mm-hmm. this evil force, and it doesn't tell us where they come from, what, mm-hmm. what happened. Tell us about this, this uh, creation. When were, when, were, when were they created? And, and, and just give us more. This is so intriguing. This yeah. is some big thing that God has going on or, or is, going, is in concert with the creation of man. And the Bible just doesn't tell us a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And therefore, based upon that, we fill in a lot of blanks that become part of our theology, right. get solidified in our theology. 
and um, maybe uh, you know fleshing this out will set, cause us to question some of the uh, basic assumptions right. that we've held in the well, past yeah. about and demons. And I, a, I agree with that. Demons, I, angels, and Satan. It's it's almost like we're like we watch like a two hour movie. And we just get like three second shots of angels or demons, you know, where it's like, oh, what was that? You know, like mm-hmm. around a corner and oh my gosh, what was that? I mean, and we're, we're taught things like Psalm 9111, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So we see that angels have a guarding. We well, see like, like in Daniel, like they're, they're, they're fighting over, back and forth yeah. and stuff. But here's what I think is amazing. I think we get kind of like a little preview. But I think what's amazing is when Jesus shows up, though, he's not confused about what demons are or angels are. Jesus is very clear. And we see, I'd say the most demonic things we see in the Bible is Jesus whooping up on them. And the thing is, he knows who they are, and they most certainly know who he is. Yes. And they fear him. Yeah. So that's crystal clear. So we're not privy as much as we like to be. I think what we're trying to establish here before we talk, because that's really what the nitty-gritty here is, like these encounters that the apostles had and Jesus had. Yes. um, You know, what Legion was and the, what is it, Gadarene demoniac and all of these type of things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I pronounce that right. uh, Matthew 25, 41 is another text. then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take that, Michael. Boom. Yeah. Hey, hey. It, it, so uh, are, it still says his angels. Right. But all of this all of this. <laughs> what would you want it to say? All of I, I don't know. His demons? All or? of this, though, is an attempt <laughs> to I mean, understand. what does angel mean? That's a messenger. A messenger. All of this, though, is an attempt to understand what demons are. And I think we are in a consensus, and rightly so, from a biblical standpoint, that demons are fallen angels. Yeah. Now I'm not in a consensus now, of Well, that maybe yet. you're not, but okay. we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the point is, that, that, that way we can move to the next point. What does that mean? How are they interacting? Are they still yeah. interacting today? But I think the, the thing is to establish what they are. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, maybe as we move through this, I'll become more convinced. It's not that I'm not convinced, and I do lean in that direction. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'd like to hold things a little bit more loosely on some of this stuff as we try to work okay. through and build a systematic theology. And I know none of us here are can really come and say, let's build a systematic theology from ground up as if we don't know anything about them, but just to question some of the basic assumptions. And Sam did so earlier, and I don't know if our listeners caught that, whenever he talked about passages in Ezekiel yeah. and Isaiah. in Isaiah. Oh, you, when concerning it's really about a king. Or, whenever, uh, or, or, yeah. Should we, should we land the Satan. rest of the, the time on that? Why do we, because some people might be screaming, Ezekiel 28, why don't you guys read Ezekiel 28? Mm. This will clear it all up. Uh why don't, why, don't, why don't we go into passage. yeah to those and say like Sam or, or so Michael, we're going to deal specifically what, with Satan yeah like why do you not think Satan in that pa- that passage it's why does that passage Satan, not right? describe the fall well, of Satan the first one is Isaiah fourteen and the reason why although granted let, let we have to concede this point there's language in this passage that sounds like what we would assume would have taken place when Satan rebelled. Mm-hmm. Um, how verse 15, verse 12 how you are fallen from heaven O day star son of dawn how are you cut down to the ground you who laid the nations low and then he says you know these uh, these I wills I will set my throne on high I will sit on the mount of the assembly I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I'll make myself like the most high and so the idea is 
That sounds a lot like the, the willful rebellion yeah. of Satan. The problem is when you look in the context, beginning back in verse 3, it's a taunt against the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about an earthly ruler who has made these uh, an attempt to deify himself and uh, elevate himself above God. So I think contextually it's very hard to argue from Isaiah 14 that, that this is, is a Satan. reference to the fall of mm-hmm. Satan. Because there's nowhere else in Scripture that refers back to that passage in connection with Satan, is there? No, there's not. Now, and, the, now the Ezekiel text, do you have your? Do you have it open to it? No, I don't. Sorry. Uh, where is the Ezekiel text? Twenty-eight. Sam would have beat me at Bible drills as a kid. He turned right to that. Sam would beat you at everything. Wasn't no, he? I was I was queen of the Bible drill. So I even I, beat my pastor. I, I actually that, won I'm some impressed by how fast Southern he did Baptist that. Church in my days. So you know Bible drills. Um, Nobody yeah. would beat uh, you in jeopardy, though. Okay, okay. here's 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 uh, Ezekiel 28, beginning with verse 11, and it says, "You were in Eden, the Garden of God," um, and it goes a little further down. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Now, that sounds a lot like the original creation of, uh, of an angel who then fell. The problem, again, is the context. It's at verse 11. It is specifically said, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, and then furthermore, even after the, the verses I just read that everybody's familiar with, mm. in the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. And then it talks about um, um, his, his uh, almost his economic sins that he committed. It doesn't sound like uh, something that you could predicate of Satan or a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so some have said maybe... Maybe the uh, king of Tyre is being compared mm. to a fallen angelic being. Mm. But again, in both these contexts, it says explicitly it's the king of Babylon or the king of Tyre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are lamentations or taunts brought against them. So I think we'd be hard-pressed to try and to even, prove this is a reference to Satan. And then also the reference there where it talks about you were a cherubim designed to guard the garden. That does, We don't really see Satan doing that in the garden, do we? No, because he was already fallen when he appeared in the garden. Mm -hmm. Well, also, Sam, whenever you talked about the Ezekiel passage, or was it the Isaiah passage that said, the son of the morning, calls him the son of the morning. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, that whenever that makes its way over into the Latin, it's Lucifer. That's where we get the word Lucifer Lucifer from, from. So it's very well... Uh, it's very possible that Lucifer is not Satan's name. In fact, most scholars believe that that's a reference uh, to Venus. Mm -hmm. The uh, Venus star, the morning star. The morning star, that it would appear very quickly in the morning and then disappear. And he's saying, you're very much like Venus. You rose in power and prestige, and then you were brought down in judgment. Can can we dispel? I I know, Tim, you got something here, and maybe you can place this on your docket where to put it. Yeah, yeah. Can we we dispel maybe some of the folk theology that we might all agree about concerning Satan and and the demons and uh we'll have to absolutely. do that in the next podcast we'll do that yeah. next time are you yeah. kidding come We're back folks we've we've baited you for the next program yeah. so this could go into three sure come back <laughs> thanks for listening to theology unplugged 
This is Michael Penn. Did you know that Credo House Ministries is the parent ministry behind Theology Unplugged? Did you know that Credo House is a not-for-profit 501c3? We exist because of the generosity of listeners and donors just like you. Theology Unplugged is on track to reach over a million downloads this year. We need the help of the Theology Unplugged community. We need your help to make theology accessible to believers and unbelievers alike. It's about giving both sides of the story, disarming honesty, biblical answers. It's about taking theology out of the ivory tower and putting it into our everyday practice. We'd love for you to join with us by going to credohouse.org and clicking on the donate button.